Trivia Music Show of your favorite pop stars. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Pop Muse, the pop music trivia show of your favorite stars. And if it's your first time joining us, we scour the internet and find lesser-known facts about some of the big names, legends, megastars, or what I always say, some cool cats from the international and national stage to fill you in on. And let's see if you know as much as you think you know about some of these icons in music. I'm TJ Reed, and today I got another special episode. I got my girl in the studio, He Yang from Round Table. What's going on, girl? Hey, TJ. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. It is so special for me to do this show with you because it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> and it's always a pleasure to have you on. And do you have someone special you want to share with us today? Yes. And I've thought about this for a very long time because I love the show、mm. and I take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Not too seriously, I hope. <laughs> I hope. But the research has been done, and also the feelings are so raw and true. It comes from my heart. Oh my goodness. Oh yeah, and it's not one person. It's a band.、Mm. Um, aside from being one of the biggest bands around the world since the millennium, it is very special to me. The band's music, to be more specific, the front man's voice. Saved me twice、hmm. in life.、Wow. Once in junior high, and the second time was twenty years later when I'm all grown up. And it's so rare to find salvage、hmm. in the music of the same band. Yeah, in different stages in life. Yeah, I think so. So, and, and also, it's not just me. Their music played an important role in the formative years of so many millennials around the world. Okay. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to finding out who you're going to introduce, and hopefully, and this is a Western band, right? Indeed. Ah. Okay. Hopefully, so I should get this right. Yeah. This is an American band, and also, okay. Disclaimer first. All right. I don't think I tried that hard to sort of make it difficult for you to guess. Oh. Okay. Now you're now you're speaking my language. All right. <laughs> I just think that there are so many things about this band that I. Believe it would be great for everybody to know and to refresh our memory on their achievements、mm. and why it's amazing and touching and pivotal for so many people who love their music till today. And also, I understand the show that、mm. I need to be guessing what you have in store as well. That's right. And I... you've made it really difficult. You make <laughs> the effort, so this is unfair. Well, the artist that I have today is actually someone that. Um, I'm not. I can't say that I am personally very familiar with. He's a big name out here in China, particularly in the South. So yeah,、um, he's got a huge title that I will not give at this time because I'm thinking that it might be too much. Okay. But、um, he sings a very famous song that a lot of people in the country are familiar with. So I'm hoping that you will be able to guess who this person is today.、Ooh. So big name. Big star, and before we get started, I just kind of wanted to give you a quick little、uh, question, Huyang. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to keep up the tradition of asking. We like to ask little、um, little jokes at the beginning of the show. So first joke I have is. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm already laughing. <laughs> Which elf is the best singer? <laughs> okay, I was thinking about dwarfs. I think like bashful, sleepy. And they're they're not the same category, are they? Kind of, but mm. Mm, okay. Elf, um, Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> you know what? That's that's a fair guess, and I, I I have to give you credit for that. You you did much better than I would have if I was asked this question. But the answer is Elphis Presley. Oh man, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm not sure. Was he the king of rock? Yeah, that was his title. His title was the king of rock and roll. Okay. Not sure I agree with that, but yes, that's that. That was his title. (laughs) He might be turning in his grave. I know, a little bit, a little bit. (laughs) Hope I didn't offend any fans out there. But before we get started, folks, I just want to drop our disclaimer, as we always do for every episode, that all the facts that we find are completely internet-based. Some of them are interview-based, but if there are any mistakes or anything that's not current, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, and hopefully we can update that information on to the next episode. So now that that's out of the way, Hu Young, I'm going to let you go first. Why don't you get this cracking? Awesome. Happy to. <laughs> okay, so this band that I'm trying not very hard for TJ to guess <laughs> has quite a following in China okay. as well. And I have some pieces of trivia lined up for you. All right. Uh, the band performed in Shanghai in 2007 and 2009, but only in July 2015 did the band undertake its first and only tour in China. Five sold-out gigs in five cities, including Beijing Workers Stadium. And Okay, it, so to, and you said 2007, 2009, they had a couple of performances. In Shanghai. In Shanghai, but it wasn't a full-on like tour of the whole country until 2015. Indeed. Okay. All right. Just making sure I got that. All right. Yes. And I happen to have a friend who's also a hardcore fan. Her name is Lily. And she went to the Beijing concert. Okay. And here is her firsthand account, which she permitted me to translate in English and said that I have to share it on today's show. Okay. So here's my translation. The band got on the stage. The crowd was rolling with tantric energy, sustained explosions of belonging and joy. It felt religious. I could feel deep down pools of solid childhood emotion, loneliness, affection, vulnerability, joy beginning to stir inside me, beginning to trickle out and flow into this huge common reservoir. Mm. All the private love I had for their music, now it was there, outside, vibrating, through the crowd. The lead singer had brought out the isolated energy in our tiny rooms into this one big public space. Wow, that was a very descriptive sharing of this uh, concert. I mean, I can like almost see it and I could feel it. And you said this. Uh, there's a lot of words that you use there, like uh, lonely, explosion. And uh, I'm feeling like there might be a little bit of uh, emo type style. Emo. <laughs> that doesn't do Sounds it little... just. It was raw energy. It was, you know, imagine all these young people, mm. teenagers or whoever, feeling that you're not being understood. Your okay. parents could be reprimanding you or you don't, okay. or whatever it is. I'm getting a feel for who this could be. All right. <laughs> 
importantly, I think no matter who you are, but just that sense of loneliness and angst and wanting to, I don't know if it's wanting to let the world know, but, but you're looking for an outlet. And through fate or some force in the universe, Mm. they sent this man and this band to you to sing out what you feel inside. Mm. And that's incredible. Of course, once you get to see them, then it's like, whoa, crazy explosion of emotions, especially when you're there with 30,000 people or something like that. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's a, I mean, for fact number one, that I think that gives a pretty, uh, not a clear picture, but it, it, <laughs> it, paints, it paints the image somewhat clear. Okay, great. All right. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, TJ, here's fact number two. Okay. <laughs> okay, this might give away quite a lot. <laughs> I'm thinking so. After fact number one, I'm like, okay. <laughs> the front man's voice is very unique. And the way he sings is one of a kind. Okay. A distinctive front man for, uh, sounds like a rock band. Okay. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're close, but you're not there yet. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I got one one band in mind. I mean, there's a, there's a few, but um, we've already covered Soundgarden. Mm. And I'm a big fan of uh, Chris Cornell, and he's very distinctive. So if that's not him, then there could only be a, a couple of others. So. <laughs> but don't you think that for a band to succeed, they kind of all need a charismatic front person? Sure. Right? Otherwise, sure. how do people notice you? Yeah. Okay. My guy has a way of doing this melodic scream. Okay. His actual vocal has so many harmonic overtones, almost like having three people recorded over themselves, and he could naturally do that. And the man himself said in an interview with music website Genius in 2017 that he came into this world screaming because he was such a big baby Hmm. and during birth he was born with a broken nose oh man he was so big that his his nose broke broke on the way out huh Mm -hmm. wow i haven't heard that before and he said that that is probably where he developed his screaming skills interesting (laughs) okay he was a funny man yeah yeah All right. But also, I'd just like to say something about his singing style as well, because, you know, being able to scream Mm. is one thing. But for him, what I appreciate so much is at the time, well, their music kind of crosses over to metal as well. Mm -hmm. And the standard vocal style in metal was to express anger and disaffection through deliberately obscure roar, sort of mangling diction. Yeah, that yeah. Whoa, you, you can said, do that. You said metal, so that's how they sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. So that was a way to set yourself apart from conventional society. But my guy's decision to sing so clearly and openly, in my opinion, is more radical than he has been given credit for. Mm. And it's more socially valuable. His tales of emotional struggle gave millions the sense that someone understood us. And the huge sound of his band around him and also the other vocalists Mm. Who does the rapping? Oh, okay. That was a, that, that was a big one for me. 
That was a big one. Yes, and it just magnified that sense. And I find that to be so special, and I just want to highlight it for everyone. Also, it's probably easy to guess. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, especially when you said rapping, because I think you're talking about a time frame where this genre of music was kind of evolving and changing, and、uh, it sounds like、um, it could be new metal, where it was.、Um, <laughs> so yeah, you had the element of of metal where it, you know the sound is quite、uh, maybe aggressive, but then you you mentioned someone's rapping, so I'm thinking that there's probably Probably some record scratching as well. So,、mm. hmm, yeah, okay, that's when the rock kind of crossed over with hip hop, and so it was a kind of a, a hybrid of some sort. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I think our listeners probably will start to get it. <laughs> They're like little <laughs> if they haven't gotten it already. already. <laughs> <laughs> well, the breadcrumbs are all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,、uh, I just love them so much. And okay, I have another piece of trivia. Okay. The band played Adele's famous song "Rolling in the Deep" on the iTunes Festival in 2011 as、mm. a cover version, and my front man nailed it. His rendition was. Such a departure from the original, and so poignant. And again, you know that clean voice, and really, he, the man could sing.、Mm. Like even when you know you take away a lot of the、um, the fancy music. Technique and the instrument support, yeah, and then it's just the man singing with a bit of keyboard in the background, and I will not be embarrassed to admit that it brings a tear to my eye. Okay, and、um, so you cry when you hear his voice. All right. Oh yes, that song is okay. I love Adele as well, but I couldn't remember Adele's version、mm. immediately after listening to my guy's version. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm convinced. I need to. Maybe I need to hear that song. I can't say that I've heard it. Okay. I think I pretty much gave away a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that should be fact number three. Oh, really? Yeah. And now we're on fact number four. Fact number four. All right. So it looks like we're getting closer to the revelation. All right. Yes. And the debut album. Debut album. Okay. Yes. It's the most well known, and、uh, it's been certified. Diamond. Okay, so beyond platinum. All right. Yes, and that means ten million units have been sold,、mm. and that's just that one album.、Mm. Okay. It was the biggest record on the planet of that year when it first came out, and、um, it sold almost five million records in that year alone, and it beat Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, I did it again. Oops! I didn't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so it was crazy because I remember everybody was talking—at least the kids,、mm-hmm. the teenagers—were talking about the the pop acts and the boy bands. Yeah. But actually, what people were buying around the world—it was also this band. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. sounds like、uh, this. They're larger than life if they win diamond. I mean, and especially,、uh, what year was that album released? Would you say? <laughs> oh, what time frame? Oh, I know exactly the year. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> so it was the turn of the millennium. And, okay. Yeah, 2001. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and two years ago, the band released its. 
20th anniversary edition of the album. It's this very expensive <laughs> goodie bag of. Is it diamond? <laughs> <laughs> well, it sure felt like it cost an arm and a leg, but、um, it had all this amazing stuff that I wanted to get, and now I have the money to do that because as a teenager, you had to ask mom and dad for、yep. for money to buy stuff. Right.、Um, but yeah, it was sold out. So. <laughs> That's too bad. Sorry to hear that. <laughs> okay,、yeah. so they released the twentieth anniversary album. Two thousand and one was their debut, and it went ten times platinum or diamond. And okay,、mm-hmm. all right, I, I'm yeah, I'm you know, I'm not a hundred percent, but I, I feel like I have an an idea, especially when you said that there, there's rapping involved. So I'm like, okay. All right.、Okay. Well, two vocalists at the time it was quite avant-garde. I would say、mm. um, they were the first big band to be recognized for what they represented. They weren't the first ones doing it. No, they were the ones that succeeded.、Mm. Yeah.、Mm. And I have the final fact for you. Okay. And this one I say with a have with a heavy heart. And well, it's genuinely really hard to comprehend that it's already been five years since the frontman of my band passed away.、Mm, okay. At the age of forty-one, and、um, he ended his life on July the twentieth, twenty seventeen, and、okay. it was shocking for the whole world and. Devastating for his fans, obviously, and it was only then did we realize that he had been suffering from severe depression for years.、Mm. And if it's the musicians that I think you're talking about, then yeah, I, I feel like we kind of heard it a lot through the journey, through the music.、Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a trend; it wasn't something that you know these musicians were just kind of throwing out there because it was popular. I mean, this was how they really felt、mm-hmm. and what what they were going through in life, and so it was. Again, if I if I got the artist right, yeah, I could really feel the the struggle、yeah. in in their music. So, in、yeah. hindsight, it was like the signs are all in front of us, but we just didn't know, or we. Let it pass, or we turn a blind eye, or we just didn't realize the severity of it. And after his passing, his wife released a video of him 36 hours before his passing,、mm. and he was laughing and having a great time with his kids. And his wife said that they were back from the best family trip ever. So everything looked great on the surface, even for. Those closest to him,、mm. to some extent, they thought everything was all right. But in reality, the man was going through so much, and I think this gives us a moment to raise awareness and reflect on the importance of mental health issues as well. Because、mm. for this singer, he suffered from childhood abuse. And that was a demon that haunted him throughout his life. Sure, and it triggered. Other pretty tragic things that one might do to oneself simply to cope with the severe trauma. Yeah, and it takes a whole lifetime to figure that thing out. So yeah, and sometimes people never make it out. 
sometimes, even with help, even when going and seeing someone and talking about it, even then, depending on the, you know, the severity of the abuse, it can be lifelong. And um, yeah, as you mentioned, sometimes people self-medicate. They do a lot of destructive things to kind of cope with it. And mm-hmm. it can sometimes um, lead to, yeah, un- unfortunate circumstances like that where, you know, suicide. And also it was like a wake up call for myself. And also I would think some other people out there who were watching his life because on the surface, this is one of the most successful musicians in the world. Their band was doing so well and he looked happy in interviews and you think you have the money and fame and you have the beautiful wife and kids and everything looks great and you're only 41 years old right what could go wrong but in reality we don't know what other people's lives or what they're going through and also i think it just made me look at depression and mental health issues from a very different lens Hmm. That is, no matter how successful or not of a person, you can't deprive them of their humanity. And it is so important to realize that no matter what we appear in public, we don't know what's inside one's heart. So give each other a little bit more kindness if we can. Yeah. And give yourself a little bit more kindness if you can. And remember that you are loved. You are loved. And hmm. yeah, it's it's yeah. tough. I think when people are in this place, this dark place, you're really kind of looking at it through your lens. And this lens is very dark and you yeah. don't see really the brightness around you. And that could be your family. That could be your fans. That could be the world around you who is who does love you, who mm-hmm. loves your work and really appreciates what you do. But sometimes, yeah, if, if your world is pretty dark, that's all you see. And when these unfortunate circumstances happen, it's painful for everyone, Mm. you know, and I think that we have to also consider the amount of lives that we're connected to before we make a decision to, you know, to end everything. Yeah. And just reach out for a phone call or whoever you can think of. I I know it's easy to 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 say say that. that now. But it's just so devastating to see this happen. And I'd also like to give you a figure to sort of paint the picture a little bit. According to the latest UN data, nearly 1 billion people around the world are suffering from some form of mental disorder. A staggering figure that is worrying. Mm-hmm. And, and also um, we see tendencies that younger people are increasingly sort of falling victim to this problem as well. And it's so important that we brush aside the stigma that's attached to the term, the phenomenon. And what my artist, his tragic death has sort of put into the public eye is, well, it could happen to anyone. And please take care of yourself and take care of others around you. And this is definitely worth our attention. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Miss So Young, I think, is that the end of your facts or do you got more? That's all. <laughs> That's all, TJ. All right, all right. Who do you think this front man and the band I've been talking about is? Well, what gave it away for me was clearly the uh, fact that they were a band and also there was some rapping involved 
And you, you mentioned how distinct the singer was and his vocals and the screaming effect. And I was like, okay, that, that most likely is uh, this particular band. And then you said that in around the year 2000, they dropped their, their debut album. And I'm thinking that's probably hybrid theory. Yes! <laughs> that's such a great album. And they, well, they followed up with uh, Meteora, which was also pretty awesome. So that's, that's none other than Linkin Park. Ta-da! Yes, you got it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Linkin Park is among the best-selling bands of the 21st century and the world's best-selling music artists, having sold over 100 million records worldwide. This is an American band from California. And actually... Mike Shinoda, who's the founder of Linkin Park, which used to have the name Zero and then Hybrid Theory, but the record company didn't allow them to use Hybrid Theory as their band name, so they mm. used that as their first album name. Oh. Anyhow, so Mike Shinoda, he pretty much found his bandmates via school networks, <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. And Chester Bennington... He's the front man that uh, later joined the band. Mm. And together they become Linkin Park as we know it. Nice. Yeah. And there's also one little piece of trivia. I don't know if you're going to... I'm just going to say this. Uh-huh. Okay. So during the early stage when they were putting together the first album, the record company actually tried to edge Mike Shinoda out and they were speaking to Chester Bennington and saying, well, you're the star, you know, we want to keep you and this band is going to be great with you. And then you don't want like two vocalists, et cetera, et cetera. Get rid of the hip hop element, probably. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, man, that's why. I mean, that is that was probably the thinking behind it. And then Chester was like, excuse me. I've only been here like a few months and this is Mike's band and we're doing great. So bugger off, we're going to do our thing. And it was a really ballsy move as well in the sense that they didn't know if they could get the album out. Maybe they'd be caught in first album limbo. Yeah. But they did it. And and I got to see Mike Shinoda in uh, Narita Airport in Japan. That was kind of <gasps> cool. You know, I was leaving. It was I was transferring somewhere, and then I, I I saw him, and I got I you know I took I took out my camera to take a picture, and he kind of smiled for it because you know I, I recognized him. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Oh, that is so awesome! <laughs> I'm so jealous of you, TJ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, you got a couple of tracks or a few tracks you'd like to share from Lincoln Park? I have so many that I love. How many do we get to play? Uh, we normally play about two or three, depending on time. Okay. Well, of course, the one that I love so much that is very different from what usually Chester handles the songs, but I think it's one that's so true and honest, mm -hmm. is The Messenger. Okay. Yeah. Do you know that song? No. No. Can't okay. say that I do. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, w one line in the lyric is so amazing. I keep it as a motto. That's when life leaves us blind, love keeps us kind. And okay. that's just Chester. All um, right. But I know there are the songs that everybody wants to hear. So I'm just also going to voice two of those. Okay. And uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. All right. 
Numb. <laughs> Numb, okay. From Meteora. From Meteora, right. And uh, any teenager should listen to it, no matter what generation. <laughs> it will sing to you. All right. And the ultimate Linkin Park song, classic, in the end. In the end. All right, all right. Let's hear it.
it starts with pain. I don't know why, it doesn't even matter how hard you try. Keep that in mind, I'm designed this product to explain in due time. All I know, time is a valuable thing. Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings. Watch it count down to the end of the day, the clock takes life away. It's so unreal, didn't look out below. Watch the time go right out the window. Trying to hold on, didn't even know I wasted it all just to watch you go. I kept everything inside and even though I tried, it all fell apart. What it meant to be will eventually be a memory of a time I tried so hard. Lincoln Park. Yeah, I remember that track. That al- that whole entire album, every track was was just magic. I mean, it was really it was kind of different because at that time I was experimenting with you know alternative rock and in their sound with the you know the little bit of hip hop and the record scratching, mm-hmm. the new metal genre. It was like, huh, this is you know all right. And I think it was clever because it was a way to kind of because you know hip hop was exploding during that time, and then you just fuse that hip hop sound with rock, and it was just 
just like kind of a win-win there. So, yeah. I remember that being the album that sort of differentiated the crowd in my school. Because hmm. you either go for the Britney Spears and the Ugh. Backstreet Boys. Well, Ugh. I listen to them too. Yikes. But I also have this soft spot for Linkin Park. That was a great album and uh, definitely worthwhile your time. Yeah, The Messenger, that, that first track that we heard was um, different. I wasn't used to hearing him sing the way that he normally screams over like an acoustic guitar because normally it's you know the electric sound and that's kind of his bread and butter but here it was different it was a lot softer and i dig it well i'm glad you like it because yeah yeah it's one of my favorites and his slower ballads are they're awesome they are great my december that was one of my favorites too yeah i would call that kind of a ballad too yeah it's nice and also One More Light. That is amazing, but we don't have time to get them all in. <laughs> Unfortunately not. So, TJ, who do you have for us today? Uh, so, for me, uh, again, I got a guy who's pretty big, I guess, in the southern Chinese scene. So, I'm looking forward to introducing this guy. Why don't we just get right to it? Let's do I'm it. going to jump into fact number one, and this is according to this artist's website and Wikipedia. All right, so this guy's originally from... Canton or present day Guangzhou. He grew up in a place called Diamond Hill, which is in Hong Kong. Um, he was born into a musical family. Uh, I guess his dad was a traditional Chinese musician. His mom was an opera singer, so he had no choice. I mean, it was just going to be music <laughs> for him, whether he liked it or not. Um, I guess he had a relatively big family. He had about three brothers. So, okay. yeah. And uh, these guys, and this might be a big clue here, they all kind of got into to music and show business. The Three Brothers. Okay. Um, he oh. started his band back in the day called the Harmonics, and this was in 1964. Whoa, way before my time. <laughs> way before your time. I know, mine too. And then he, I guess he joined another one called Bar Six, but this is when he was in middle middle school or high school. So okay. not sure how much barring he was doing, but I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure where he got that from. But anyway, I guess he attended the University of Hong Kong and he majored in my major, which was psychology. Thought that that was kind of cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys share one characteristic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> All right, I'm going to move on to fact number two. This is from IMDb and Wikipedia as well. He began his singing career in the 60s with Diamond Records. I'm not sure if that's related to his hometown or not. But um, he and his and four others, they formed the group called... I'm not sure if this is going to give it away. Probably not. The Lotus. The Lotus? <laughs> I was looking for like Tiger or something like that. Yeah, okay. I know, right? If it's okay. a band, you're thinking it would be a little bit more masculine. But The Lotus. Great. Okay. And what they did was they sang a lot of popular English and British American songs. So there were a lot of noteworthy covers that they did. And I guess they were a popular kind of English pop rock band in Hong Kong. So they're in Hong Kong, but they're singing English, which is, I think is kind of interesting. Hmm. Uh, in the 70s, he started a film called oh. The Private Eyes, along with his brother. <laughs> and I'm loving Hu Young's face. For those of you listening, it's like she's like, who the heck is this? <laughs> I have no idea. It's all mysterious right now. <laughs> I love it. And I guess, so he started in this film with his brother, 
and Jackie Chan was actually in this film. He was a stuntman. So I guess he wasn't really big during this time. So he was kind of behind the scenes doing stunts. And I'm not sure if you know a guy named Samo Hung, but he's I'm, no. a, I'm a huge kung fu guy. He's kind of a heavy set like martial arts guy and he's always starring with Jackie Chan so um, this guy he was the action film director of that movie and that film was a f- the first international success film in Hong Kong I guess mm. uh, this artist's breakout album was the soundtrack of that particular film of the same name and I guess his style he became notable for making songs that were quite colloquial in the Cantonese language but he was able to take events and things that were happening that were a bit harsh but sing about it in a light-hearted way so i guess it made people feel a lot more comfortable about what was going on um for example he had a song called songs of water use because i guess during that time in hong kong um getting access to water was a bit was a bit hard so he made a song about that and it just kind of lightened the tone for the whole kind of situation so anyway, that's just kind of a, an introduction to his style. His style is really, everything is lighthearted about this guy, okay? Uh, in 1979, he was the first Hong Konger to perform at the Tokyo Music Festival. So yeah, he's making some waves over in Japan. He, okay, and so this is, I think this is something that he's most notable for. He was a host of a comedy show alongside his older brother. And this was from 1971 <laughs> through <laughs> 1973. And I love Ho Young's clueless face here, guys. <laughs> this 54-episode series featured sketch comedy. And um, this artist had a lot of his songs that were in the uh, the show. And, and this show was inspired by the American comedy show called Laugh-In in the 1960s. So it had kind of a similar style. But anyway, at the end of the each episode, he would play songs of his, as I mentioned. And some of these, I, I saw some of the titles of these songs and I just had to list some of them because they were just, I just found them to be hilarious. Well, the first <laughs> one is called Too Beautiful to Last. Oh. <laughs> Music to Watch Girls By. <laughs> How is that allowed? Well, that was a different time. Right. Uh, until It's Time for You to Go. Not sure what that implies. <laughs> Do you know the way to San Jose? (laughs) Really random. And working either too hard or too not hard for rhyming. (laughs) And the last one I have here is, look what they've done to my song. (laughs) Have no idea what happened to his song, but I just think the titles for some of these tracks were legendary. Let's move on to fact number three. And this is according to Wikipedia. Just a little about his personal life. I guess during this time frame, he got married and he married a Filipino-American. They met at a hotel performance uh, in 1967. They've had two sons. Uh, He also starred in a big-budget film that uh, took place in Tibet. It was largely directed by his older brother, Michael. And so, unfortunately, during this film, I guess due to the altitude there, this artist fell very ill and he almost it was almost fatal and since then and after that time frame and this was in the 90s he decided that he wanted to he started to begin his campaign for retirement around that time frame 
I haven't been to Tibet, but I've heard quite a bit about it. And I mean, for the roundtable team, I think you guys have had your episodes with altitude sickness there too, right? Yes, it was really tough, especially if you have never been climatized like that.、Mm. And、uh, considering Beijing's altitude is like four meters,、mm. and Tibet Autonomous Region is. On a plateau that is above four thousand meters、mm. above sea level. Wow! So you see quite the difference, and it took me like a week at least、mm. um, to sort of get over the aching head. But it just came back to me like when you arrive, you need to rest. You can't start immediately working because they'll. <sighs> It、yeah. was like you're on survival mode. You're,、yeah. There's not much else you can do, so it's re- it's really tough. I can't imagine that、um, if you are on a tight schedule to do a film there. Yeah, oof, it's gonna be hard. <laughs> yeah. So this incident, you know, many believe was the kind of the catalyst for him to kind of start his retirement,、um, at least in the '90s. So we're gonna move on with fact number four, and this is、uh, according to Wikipedia. In 1990 through 1992, this artist held many farewell concerts, and I think this was quite common. I felt like there were a few artists that did this, where they would have these concerts to say goodbye, and they would come back like a couple of you know decades later. But anyway, his father apparently passed away during this time frame. But、uh, he pressed on with his performances during that time, which must have been tough.、Um, this guy is widely acclaimed as. Quote the God of Song in Hong Kong. He was the first singer to be acknowledged in this way. He, as I mentioned, he decided to come out of retirement in、oh. 2004, and he held multiple comeback concerts, and he sold out a lot of shows. And in these concerts, he paid tribute to、uh, a few recent past colleagues, Leslie Chung and Anita Mui. In 2003, oh, they、I、passed away.、Them. Yeah, yeah, we've we've done shows on them、uh, for this program, and、um, they unfortunately passed away during that time. Frame and he claimed that it was their deaths that influenced the decision to return to performing. And he dedicated a song to them called "Bless You"、um, during that 2004 comeback.、Um, as an actor, he is well known for portraying the main character King Kong in five installments of a film series called "Aces Go Places." I'm not sure what、um, <laughs> if there's a Chinese equivalent to that, but. What he's most notable for is a song from a 1990 film called *The Swordsman*, and in this movie there was a really famous song. Originally, it was sang in Cantonese, but the title of the song is, and the English translation is a bit tough, so bear with me. It's called *Laughter on the Vast Sea*. So it's a really famous song, and、um, I think you might have heard it before. I think when you hear the melody, you'll definitely know what it is. But there's a Cantonese version to it, and then there's a Mandarin version of it as well. Yes, I'm so lost. <laughs> <laughs> I've been scouring my memory and the limited information and knowledge、mm. I have about Cantonese singers,、yeah. but I'm so curious. Well, as I mentioned. I mean, this guy—he's—he's from the Hong Kong region. He、uh, was—he got into acting. He was、um, his him and his brothers were in show business. They ran a really famous comedy show. He's really lighthearted with his music. He sings songs about just 
regular everyday life in uh, in, in southern China apparently, and he's known as the God of Song. My and... God of Song is Zhang Xueyou, <laughs> Jackie Chong. Okay, but, all right. But this is gentleman, that your guess? It can't be because the age doesn't fit. <laughs> no, it doesn't. So if you had to guess a name, who would you say? This person be. I mean, it sounds like you're gonna have to guess because it doesn't it's sound like I struck a, a chord with any of these facts here. It's gonna be a wild shot in the dark. Okay, go for it. I don't even know if this artist has <laughs> the name that I'm gonna say has brothers. Okay, Huang Zhen. I'm not even sure if you're close or not, but the guy that I have for you today is called. Shu Guanjie. Oh. Or the name that I researched him as was Sam Hui. And <laughs> I think that's his Cantonese name. But anyway, Sam Hui or Shu Guanjie is a Hong Kong musician, singer, songwriter, and actor. He's credited with popularizing canto pop both via the infusion of Western style music and his usage of vernacular Cantonese in addressing contemporary problems and concerns. I ran his name by a couple of colleagues in the office and it was hit or miss. If they were younger, like in their 20s or 30s, they were kind of scratching their heads. Mm -hmm. But if they were above the 40 mark, they were like, oh, I know this guy. He's, you know, and they would start singing his music. So the song that I'm going to play for you today is the song that I mentioned earlier called Laughter on the Vast Sea from the Swordsman soundtrack. And I think you'll definitely recognize the song and hopefully it'll resonate with you a little bit. Well, I think I've just received some interesting information. <laughs> and I can't be more wrong about my guess, but I would love to hear the song. All right, all right. Well, before we get to that track, we're going to go ahead and call it for this episode of Pop Muse. For those of you joining us, we hope you've learned something or got a chance to listen to some really good music. And if you think that there's this artist that we should cover in the future, be sure to reach out to us and we'd love to hear from you. I'm TJ Reed. And I'm He Young. Take it easy, folks. We will see you next time. Sun 
再寂寥。